Okay, so welcome to the next episode of Race Refactoring Podcast. Today, my guest is Martin, who's uh, with me, the co-author of our Rails Meets React ebook. Hi, Martin. Hello. Um, Martin wrote the better and most interesting parts of the book, and he's my guru. So I've got a couple of questions of him. Um, I hope it's going to be an interesting conversation for you as well. So let's start, Martin. So what, what do you think is the right moment to convert a standard Rails form uh, to a React one based? Like what's your uh, rule of thumb? When would you convert a form to React one? Uh, I believe it's, it all depends on the, on the requir requirements of the project. So, uh, if we need to have dynamic interface and it's stated before, uh, I would rather go and, uh, refactor it, uh, even right after creating it because, uh, because it's, it's not very hard. It, uh, the whole point and the whole difficulty to uh, refactor this uh, simple race form into React component is just uh, the problem with passing data from the backend to the frontend. So there are techniques for that, and those techniques are well studied. And you can, and you can of course refer some resources if you want to do that, like in the RCNC organization we have scaffold to react repository where where it is uh where it is commit by commit shown how we can do this but there's no rule of thumb really because um as i said before it all depends on the pro project requirements so if you have uh if you have a a project where where there is no uh, there is not a significant part of making uh, an interface dynamic. Uh, you can postpone this decision. Thanks to that, uh, thanks, thanks to this, that React is uh, allows you to incrementally change and transform your code from backend views into React components. So it's not all or nothing decision. You can just take the smallest part of this form and transform it into React and it will still work. So like, for example, uh, just a couple of fields which require, which require interaction and dynamic part, not, not the entire form, but just a part of it. Yes. You can just, uh, for example, transform one input into some kind of uh, autocomplete input if you need some sophisticated features or like autofill or search input you can just create one input and then you don't even need to think about how to pass data to it because uh because you have the standard uh, form data flow where form is still on the backend side so so you don't need to bother Okay, so my rule of thumb is that whenever there is a slightest thing that's required to be dynamic, even a very simple thing like show and hide, for example, 
when you press the checkbox and then some other options show or hide depending on whether the checkbox is checked or not. If I have even the slightest dynamic requirement like that, I convert the entire form to React-based one. Um, mostly because, like I said, it's not hard and it's very easy for me then to uh, go with that in React to make things show and hide. And, and usually because the moment that there is one one dynamic aspect of a form, it just starts getting more and more dynamic features um, to be required for that form. So usually this, this one dynamic feature that you want to have, and if it's a very simple one, means that in a day or weeks or following months, the requirements are going to get harder and harder. So it's, it's better for me to refactor to a React-based form as, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think it's a right approach, especially when you have like uh, a big project and you need to, you, you also need to, for example, not wait for the direct, uh, direct order to implement the dynamic view, but you as a part of the feature want to behave, to make this form behave dynamically. And of course, it's not the smallest step you can do because you can try to consume your HTML view step by step, like start with the most nested element of your HTML tree and just transform it into React and then rinse and repeat. And after those steps, that, that smallest, uh, smallest steps possible, you should have uh, valid, fully controlled by React view. So, so there are many techniques and what's important here is that, uh, you don't need to transform the entire view. It's completely unnecessary. And that's the big strength of React JS in my opinion. So you can just, maybe you have an application written in angular, but, or you have static uh, HTML views, uh, it doesn't matter because you can just take the smallest thing possible and transform it into react and just plug in data from an external world world and it will work. So I believe that's the big strength of react and, and it's a big strength and it, it, it really shines when you are working on a legacy project or or project which uh, is starved from the dynamic features and you need to work quickly to implement them. Yeah, and to add something to that, um, for in some cases, I don't even uh, submit the form via Ajax from JavaScript. Um, I just use the form for um api in rails to to build the um the form tag or uh, that's on the on the html page with proper url etc um but only the inside part of the form is rendered with react and the form can still be submitted normally by 
by the browser, not using Ajax calls from JavaScript, just normally when user presses the submit button, the browser will submit it. And I think it's a great middle step um, when you want to have a widget, which is some kind of dynamic, but it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be fully um, fully dynamic, fully um, it doesn't need to take data via API. It doesn't need to submit data via API. It's like a middle step between a single page application and Rails Rail. Yes, and that's a maybe maybe uh, weird for someone because uh, if you think about React.js, it's it's more like uh, we are on the level of creating page widgets. Uh, uh, and so on with React, but we could have like just sprinkles of React, just like we had sprinkles of jQuery before. So in those four phases from fully static views as a phase one to phase four full spa and between there are uh, jQuery sprinkles or JavaScript sprinkles at a, as a phase two, and page widgets objects as a phase three. Even if React is developed and created just to fulfill these stage three requirements, you can still use it as a phase two. So you can just enhance your static views with some React sprinkles. And the model still shines here because uh, the programming model of React components uh, in terms of defining your user interface is very universal. You can even, uh, it will work good even in a small as possible thing. So that's also a big strength of React. And in which environments have used Robert the, uh, the React.js? So, so in, which, in which phases you were and to start using React. Do you think uh, you, it will be better for you if you start from a point like, okay, I have some jQuery, so right now I'll start re writing to React or, or you start with bar static views and you can use React.js from the start, from the static views and finish maybe near spa or on, on this phase three. So in my current uh, product, I usually jump immediately to phase three now, um, which, as you said, are um, React.js widgets. So it's not a single page application, but on multiple pages, which are initially rendered by Rails, um, React forms are started and they are started based on uh, JSON data embedded in the HTML. So before you have API endpoints to communicate uh, between your React application and Rails API, um, as a transformative middle step, I use um, I pass the data via HTML, which is similar to what you can say you have in step step number two. Um, because with jQuery, we used to base the logic mostly um, on the on the DOMs, 
on the DOM state, on what's on what's in the browser, what's rendered, what's not. Um, so we kind of use the HTML to guide the jQuery, um, how it should start, what it would, um, which DOM uh, which DOM entries should be handled by jQuery, which events it needs to subscribe to. Um, but with React, I usually give the data as JSON embedded in HTML, and then the React application knows how to bootstrap itself. So I usually jump immediately to the step three. I have the React.js widgets, multiple of them, usually uh, one or two widgets um, on a single page. And the whole rest, the navigation, the redirection, the process, um, all that stuff is still handled in a, in a classic Rails way, like a normal page. Uh, written in in Rails. Yeah, so it, so it is a big maintenance overhead that you have like React and views together because I would like to say that it's also a big strength that you can live with both solutions. Like if you need to, you put more things into React. If you don't need to, you you keep all those static views still static and there is no overhead added there is no any maintenance cost uh to to keep both solutions it's uh, it's very non-intrusive like if you start with with for example angular or ember those are solutions which which are fa which favors like you know full full rewrites so so that would be a problem in, in a situations like that. With React, you can keep it this maintenance cost as little as possible. Do you agree with that? Or maybe you had some problems with maintaining both React views and static views? So I can't comment on the Amber and Angular part as I haven't used them much, um, but I can agree that React is pretty flexible and it's up to you whether you go single page application or embedded widgets or whatever you need, whatever you like. Um, but the nice thing is that it's not like, like you said, you don't need to rewrite your entire uh, web page. And in fact, some of your, some parts of your page can um, classic race views, some can use the React widgets because they're good enough and other parts which are the most dynamic and can be written as a completely uh, separate single page applications which only communicate with the backend via uh, json api and you can have these different parts of applications um, using react from low extent to full extent um, it's all up to you and you can slowly keep re rewriting older parts of the of the app uh, to React. You can keep getting it better at it. Whereas you can use the new features to implement is, for example, a single page application uh, with JSON API. So it's completely up to you 
how much you want to invest into using React, into getting into it. Um, it's not all or nothing. Yeah, I remember that I had a situation in a project I have worked on, like uh, the starting point of this application, that, that was an application which was fairly sophisticated and and it started in in the user interface uh, as an user, user interface was built using the data tables. It's a popular solution for for Rails. It's it's purely backend uh, backend uh, solution to do some fancy sortable tables and so on. And that was our starting point. And this uh, application was under heavy development because it was like uh abandoned like for two years and then client came back and said okay we are starting with new features but still working with the user interface written with this with those data tables was extremely hard and and it was hard to make this uh to make this uh interface demands possible because uh, client demanded from us that People who will use this application will be uh, Excel users, so the experience must be similar to the similar to the desktop application. So things like uh, a refreshing without reloading, real-time updates, and so on. And the thing is that we started to use React in this project, and we've been able to transform those views one by one uh, as a you know some kind of voice code rule so we've implemented a feature and said okay so let's transform this view into react and it was like half an hour or hour or hour and a half but still manage in a manageable amount of time we've been able to transform our data table generated or jQuery generated widget into React. And, and still we've been able to deliver many features and it was not like, okay, we're rewriting an app. So two weeks without new features. <laughs> so, so I think that's, I want to emphasize even more. React.js, in my opinion, from the from the uh, standpoint of legacy applications is the best choice because it allows you to incrementally refactor your application. After like a uh, year and a half, we had a situation where a piece in this application very rarely used and no features around them for this one year and a half. There was still data tables there, but no one bothered because like 90% of views were written in React because when feature feature were implemented, we were transforming it as a part of the commit part of the feature. Cool. So let's jump to a little different topic. Um, well, why did you get interested in React? I believe it was like a uh, uh, necessity or, or like uh, my demand because as I said, it was in this project, like I just described, we 
we've been struggling with managing our UI. It was very fragile. Tests were like, you know, capybara tests, which are good, but very brittle and can break easily. And we were looking for a solution to just speed up our development in a front end. And I was working in a very complicated view then. And, and we had no ideas how to, how to tackle this problem of complicated view layer. And then I just, uh, had some days off and, and went to the student camp and on the student camp, it was like a presentation made by my good friend about ReactJS, and I just watched it and I was like, okay, so, so this may be what we are looking for in our project. And after I returned to the project, I just implemented, uh, I just installed React using the Race React integration and and I rewritten the view. I was writing like seven hours or eight hours without prior experience in like four hours and without bugs. So it was very impressive for me. And I have decided to, you know, advocate this, this approach to the rest of the team. And after some days, they, they all agreed that it, it, it's a good idea to use react.js and, and we stayed with it. And then in our we just propagated this knowledge further. Yeah. So I got started because like you said, you, you became an advocate. You started writing about it, um, blog posts on, on our Arkansas blog. Um, you started talking about it during our weekly meetings and writing about it on, on Slack. And I was intrigued and I, I did one tutorial and I was bought. Like for me, it was like. A real magic, like how easy it is to to just build the build the render part based on the state, and whenever the state changes, it just automatically updates. You don't need to do anything hard to make it display different amount, handle more uh, handlers, or it was just easy. And like, I have this saying now that React is the, the first next big thing, Rails, because easy things are very easy in React and hard things are still possible. That's, that's my mantra and I keep it in my mind still after more than one year with React that it's actually easy for easy things. And whenever you have complicated requirements, those things are possible because the cycle methods of React are really nice and you can use them to integrate with existing solution, solutions, existing libraries um, that already provide features in your application. Um, so. I got hooked easily as well. Yeah, I think what what's the best for me uh, in terms of the 
uh, intercity buying reactor or, or, or something like that was a pro programming model like this programming model of uh, having a pure function function returning uh, the dom structure based on properties and state uh it's a very elegant ab abstraction and in fact you can if you now understand react uh, you can write like very simple implementation in in a matter of few days but but this is where it really shines that it is uh, such an elegant abstraction that react devs uh, optimize it a lot and it's absolutely transparent to a user maybe this key thing is is something like a leaking abstraction but still it's very well founded uh, abstraction and it fits in many places like in react uh, 0 0.14 there is uh, there is a split between isomorphic React and DOM React, and React is not about DOM anymore. You have React Native, React Art, React D3, I believe, and so on, and so on, and so on. So this programming model fits in many places, and it's very inspiring, and even learning this programming model can make you a slightly better programmer, I believe. Yeah, it's it's a different approach because instead of thinking like, okay, someone punched something, check the checkbox or change the input. So how should we react to that? Instead of instead of thinking like, what should we update? We are thinking in terms of, okay, so this is what changed our state. How do we re-render, redraw our entire page from scratch and then we let React figure out what's and between what we rendered now and what we rendered a second ago when the checkbox was not checked and it's React job to only apply the changes we don't need to handle that and I believe I have a question for you because I, I believe that like most Rails developers, you've been attracted to Rails, not just because it's a, you, you, you perceive it as a good technology, but also because of the community. What do you think about React community? Because I, I have some strong opinions about it, but, but I'm curious, uh, how do you see the React community uh, in terms of they're helpful, they are making cool things or, or bad things, they are inspiring or not? What do you think? Um, I think they are very helpful and inspiring and friendly. Um, I think right now we are in a moment when the community is trying to provide us with a lot of components that we could use in our applications um, instead of writing our own components. Um, I remember that more than one year ago we looked for example for a date picker or calendar in react um i wasn't quite satisfied with the number of possible libraries that i could use into i could integrate into our project 
or with the options that they export exposed um they weren't as much configurable as i would like for our project but one year later now um the the number of components is growing and growing and growing and and their quality is better um the the apis are getting better it's easier to integrate them into your um into your code base so i think um i wonder how it's gonna end a year two or three from now um jquery was like that at some point when after jquery was discovered there were now there are hundreds of jquery plugins that do a lot of things for you and i'm waiting for having such variety of libraries components and to be able to pick from into react application because the uh, the model is a bit different and you can use the lifecycle methods to integrate uh, for example jQuery plugins which are still very good and into your react code base but it requires a bit more work um you need to plug those things into your code base um i'm waiting for things which you can just drop in and they would work yeah i believe the programming model of react is capable of uh, you know consuming the previous solutions like uh, jQuery plugins or, or something like that. But uh, what is a really selling point for me or now killing feature where I advocate React is, is all about the ideas that are flowing uh, in the community. Like in in Rails, uh, we have many blog, blog posts about that Railsway is great uh, in terms of creating uh, quick prototypes and and it's it's very it's very attractive to you if you are creating a simple application, but the model does not scale well when you, for example, want to create a huge application or, or something like that. And uh, and what I love about React community is their their ideas, which are well founded in you know the history of computer science of good architecture patterns of functional programming which i love uh, and and that's very inspiring for me because uh you can learn a lot from th those people because they they got great foundations and you know like uh, uh gurus of this community are people who are founded in a very good practices very good architectures like Flux is is very similar to to more clean architectures than, for example, the railway. That's what I think it's very beneficial for us all. Even if you are not using React, thanks to that React is coming to mainstream. You can you can expect better libraries in a in a world of JavaScript and not only JavaScript because. People get inspired, and people want to make uh, software which are better because they learned a lot of cool things from React community, and that that's what I love, and that's uh, what I think it's a killer feature of this community. 
on the other hand sometimes funny when you when you read about something and you're like wait this is the same idea that was like 10 years ago like even sourcing uh, they just got a different naming for the operations or whatever it does the same idea with with different names and moved from backend to front end and then then you are think well why don't they name the 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 same way that those patterns have already been known as yes but you know it's it's like in every community in in, in uh, it and computer science like that there were smart people in, in 70s or 80s who already <laughs> invented that but it was like forgotten like um for example uncle bob is is uh is telling us about the lost years of architecture because we were so we are so inspired and wow we, we can now make web we can now just you know communicate and we and we forgot about all the good architectural patterns so so i believe it is uh it is always we are doomed to this you know uh, fate and and what's good about react is that they they just made a very quick progress to reinvent those solutions and that's that's what i find very very interesting and inspiring but of course it's it's not like they invented something they maybe in a current state of events implementations are maybe better or or, or implementations are like uh uh more suitable to the current current world current requirements current uh current resources we have and so on but still ideas are the same and and that is the thing that uh exists in every community i believe like we are re re reinventing the wheel in terms of architecture but it's not always about who invented what and when. Sometimes it's about who can sell the idea to the masses, um, who can sell the idea to the developers coming from different languages. And I think React is quite interesting here. Um, the, the community that is working on React is um, probably very tight to the JavaScript community, but the community of people who are using React in their project, I think they are coming from multiple languages like Ruby, Python, JavaScript, .NET, Haskell, Clojure. Um, each of this community is contributing something to JavaScript and each of this community is taking something from it. Yeah, you're right. Like. Um... That's the case, and the reason why React.js community is, is very close to the JavaScript community is about, it's because that uh, React has great foundations in JavaScript. They, it is not a library which is escaping from JavaScript. Let me take an example again of Angular, where uh, they have like sophisticated language within the framework, like you have ng-repeat and special 
and special uh, language for defining your uh, repeat rules and it is evolved like evaluated within the framework they try to you know just escape from the language react just leverages this language it's uh, and they say like it's a javascript and we want to base on javascript we think javascript is cool and that's a change of direction because many of many i call them immigrants javascript immigrants they want to make things like it's done in ruby in haskell in in c sharp they are you know uh programming in javascript with uh, uh with their set of practices and the thing is javascript is a bit different than many languages you are using for example on the backend it's it its object oriented approach is a bit different and and way of doing things is bit it's a bit different thanks to the uh event loop we have and so on and so on so uh the thing is i believe that um, ideas are flowing around react and those are many ideas uh, often good ideas just because there is a good foundation in the language itself. It's not like uh, we are trying to escape from JavaScript. We are, you know, consuming JavaScript, and and that's great. That's a very good thing for me. So we are saying that React is embracing JavaScript. Yes, they are not, uh, you know, escaping from JavaScript, and 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 it's uh, and it's clearly visible, like. Uh, like for example, when you read uh, the patch notes of the of the next React releases, uh, and you and you watch how ECMAScript two thousand and fifteen uh, is is developed, you see that for example, okay, we are allowing you to use class syntax, and since it's a JavaScript, and you know you want to make it JavaScripty, we won't make things automatically for you because it's a javascript just write it by yourself uh, it's not that we don't want to introduce magic uh, it's i believe the main thing that is uh, a point of uh, scoring solutions or or, or paths that the, the react developers are taking they they say like okay we want to use javascript as as much as possible and we encourage you to use JavaScript. Don't escape from it. We won't make something that is possible in the language for you. Just do it by yourself. You are writing in JavaScript. I believe that's the case. Yeah. yeah, so you have like choice. You can use, for example, the ECMAScript syntax when you are creating your uh, React components, or you can go with the React create class API um which is more like uh, um, what you would see in other languages um there is a bit more magic um because some methods like the handler handler methods are auto-binded for you and stuff like that um but but you have a choice yes i think you're right so okay so but which part of React you don't like? 
<laughs> That's a hard question. I believe uh thing I don't like in React right now is that it is prepackaged with Flux usually. So Flux, Flux is like the default of managing state now. And uh, I don't think it's a good idea because uh, because like now you know you have like a cargo cult of flags so so flags is good for everything it's not the case flags has like uh, many many uh, constraints and and you you usually don't need it in fact so so that's a problem and the second problem is that uh, you have like hidden features of React. They are not documented. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a choice of developers because they say we will announce these features, but not now. We'll announce it in a first major version. I don't think it's beneficial because they are fully usable for now. And and if you know about them, I, I'm I'm. Uh, saying about the context in React, if you know about them, they are very cool features, but for some people, it would be hard to believe they are already done or they are, or they are beneficial because they are not documented yet. That's, that's two main things I dislike about React. Okay. So the thing that I don't like very much is the set state API behavior, which is asynchronous and the way it can be very frustrating and leading to a lot of debugging to people coming to react, which expect that when they call set state and then read the state, it does not include the state that you have uh, just said, I think it can be very confusing and for that reason, I try to keep um, all of my state outside the React and just treat React as something for rendering. But I handle the user interactions and keep the state of my application outside the React classes because I find it easier. Yeah, there are some applications where state state is, you know, like... Um... It's another way of telling mutate things and some more, you know, you know, people are fr from, from functional worlds, they say state is an antipatter and they're right. <laughs> it's in my application, I try to keep everything in a property as, as long as possible. Uh, there are complications with state like uh, it is shallowly compared. That's why immutable data, data structures will work best. There, there are ways to handle this asynchronicity. And, and I believe this is a evil we must have, like, uh, like to react, do not, uh, do not force you to make decision about your code, the rest of your code. It allows you to be, you know, to fully mutate things. It allows you to use immutable data structures. That's why thanks to this, it, it does not force decision on you. 
It's a uh, that's how OM gets created for Clojure script. If if React was like opinionated about how you mutate your state, it would be impossible to port it to Clojure script, which has uh, which is a more functional language. It would be much much harder. And since there is a freedom of how you use the state, there will be a problems about it. And if you like have some some preconditions or you have some additional rules in how you mutate your state, you should be good to go. But uh, but as I agree, it's a problem. It's a problem. You need to be careful with uh, with state manipulation. That's why there are rule of thumbs like keep your components stateless if it's uh, possible or a distinction of smart and dumb components uh and so on and that's a valid case i believe you you have a right you have a right here yeah um so what do you consider the biggest barrier from entering react.js world or using it in a product like what do you think it's people from going with react uh I've learned some people uh, React.js, like right now I'm educating a one team how to use React.js and, and the biggest problem is JavaScript. <laughs> because JavaScript is, uh, is not, it's, its syntax is not as friendly as Ruby, for example, and, and you need to learn how to use it properly. And while it's not a problem for people who are accustomed to, you know, front-end and development and who already ran, learn JavaScript, React is very simple to learn because it's some, like, uh, it's a very low entry barrier, but learning a language is hard. JavaScript is a complicated language. And the second thing uh, about it is lack of you know some mental mappings between way of doing things on the back end and on the front end and that's what uh, what i very like about our books we try to create uh, the the mapping between the rails world and react world for example in rails meets react.js we are trying to explain things in uh like it's similar to think you know about in rails but uh, it's often hard to find such good analogies uh, and this programming model while simple needs to needs demands from you that you understand all terms like state property like render method pure function uh, uh, life cycle method and so on and so on that would be hard but uh, it's so on one side it react is easy but on the other hand it's intimidating sometimes like you don't know which parts of react you don't need to know you don't need to care at the beginning and you can learn them later yes i believe that's the that can be a problem especially uh, of course hmm, i'm I'm working on frontends uh, quite a time. It's 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 not. I got a different perspective, but I believe that would be a problem for for people who are coming from a purely backend world world to 
to React and React is their first choice. Then they need to understand this model and, and they need to understand JavaScript. Fortunately, we have a good solution for this uh, JavaScript problem because we have variety of languages transpiled to JavaScript and Rails, uh, Rails people can use CoffeeScript and uh, C-sharp people can use or .NET people can use uh, TypeScript, for example. And there is variety of languages which are uh, compiled to JavaScript, transpiled to it. And that's, that's I believe, uh, a great solution for this problem. I personally uh, love the, you know, vanilla JavaScript or ECMAScript 2015, but this is not a way of doing things for many developers. So they have like uh, languages transpiled to JavaScript and that's absolutely cool for me. So React is not a framework, but a library. Do you think that this helps its adoption? or actually makes it harder because you need more components to have a full stack solution. Yeah, so you can look at this from two sides. From the side, from the side of learning just React, I believe it's a very beneficial thing. It's still a library and, and it's, it's very good for React that it's a library. But in terms of, you know, infrastructure, it can be confusing. Like uh, you are coming from the Rails world where you have uh, built in asset pipeline, tran transpiling things, it's built in and serving assets, it's still built in and so on and so on and so on. And in JavaScript world, you have like um, libraries for that like webpack like uh, express web server for serving assets for example this can be very confusing at the beginning i believe one of our blog posts called so the hitchhiker's guide to modern javascript tooling is is very successful blog post because it's like it was published on hacker news and it got great success people demanded from us this knowledge like it is hard for people accustomed to frameworks to build an infrastructure to work in React properly. And that is a problem. But in terms of learning how React works, it's a very beneficial that React is a library. So I think in um, it can be interesting that um, maybe it's good for its adoption in the legacy code base because it's just a library and whatever use whatever is your environment, whether you are using Rails or .NET or Java, doesn't really matter for React. Um, you can still have your dynamic um, forms and interactive user interface. So you can easily plug in uh, react to an existing legacy solution and start using it not to the full extent but to the amount that matters for you but in terms of getting new projects started greenfields um you would like to have a solution which lets you build all the parts which are coupled together like by and backend rendering forms submit 
pink params and the entire uh, flow of getting drinks from the database to the front end to the browser and from the browser back to the uh, database you would like those things to be glued together um, possibly in some kind of convention but you you don't have that with react you need to use react as some part of a different solution with other li libraries that will make it easier for you to connect all the pieces together and have a full stack solution like at least for example react router right yes but uh, on the other hand uh, while uh, you you find this solution for a greenfield pro, pro project like a framework or or as monolithic solution there is another solution which uh, you know leverages this uh, variety of tools and it's called uh, application skeletons or application templates you just uh, clone a repository run npm install run npm run development and you are good to go everything is configured because someone uh, before just configured all those libraries to to have sensible defaults sensible conventions and packed it and uh, gave it to you. Of course, there's a problem like uh, backend integration, but uh, thanks to that React is a library, you can take a full, you can take a sophisticated solution, like for example, sales. It's a framework for uh, for Node.js and to write your application in, in sales, but uh, you love React JS views. So you plug in React views into sales and it's easy. So, so, so that's, uh, that's also a benefit of React.js. Okay. So our podcast is called fearless refactoring. So what types of refactoring do you consider to be most common in React's code base? And I imagine that probably it would be extracting new components from part of a bigger one. Yeah, it would be, of course, extracting a component. It would be creating a higher, higher order component, but it's, it's a rather sophisticated solution. It would be also uh, consolidate state because uh, the big anti-pattern of uh, React.js is having unneeded state. This is a refactoring of, you know, inlining things or computing it in a method. So extracting method also from the state uh another refactoring i would like to see is like uh, uh extracting a method from the render because you don't need to have a component every time you want to extract a small piece of jsx you can also extract a simple method and it will still work uh so there are many refactorings you can do and and I believe those I listed are the most basic ones. Okay, Martin, it's been almost an hour. Thank you for a great talk and see you later. Maybe I have still quite a couple of questions for you that we didn't go through. So I think we have a good chance for a second episode about React.js. Okay, I, I would like also to just summarize and maybe for our listeners 
I'd like to say that uh, why React is not a silver bullet and there is no silver silver bullets in programming. It's a very inspiring tool. So if you haven't, if you don't have an okay, you didn't have an occasion to check it out. Uh, please do it <laughs> because uh, it there is a big chance you'll even if you don't like it you will learn something new and that might make you a good developer and you can write a web you can write mobile and so on with the same programming model which i think it's cool so be sure to check it out and yeah from my perspective from the perspective of a mostly backend rails developer I can say that I, I fell in love with React and I recommend to check it out as well. Okay, thank you, Robert, for a great talk. I, uh, I think we, we've, been dis we've discussed very important questions and, and, very, and, thank, and thanks for that. And see you later. Thanks, Martin. Bye.